BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, April 20th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who is already fully invested in next year's NCAA basketball bracketology, Jerem Jordan. Well, uh, Joey Brackets came out with the... uh... You know, super early first bracketology for next year, and Brigham Young University is is the second team out, which feels fun. But we don't even have thirteen scholarship players here yet. So, <laughs> does yeah. Joey Brackets know something that we don't? Has he talked to Mark Pope about who's coming back? Did the coach divulge some details? No, no, he did not. We know more than Joey Brackets on BYU, but it's already fun to be in the conversation as a bubble team. St. Mary's is one of the last four in, and Gonzaga just barely made it in as the top overall seed. Well, the rich get richer, and yes, St. Mary's yes, apparently they do. is getting better. European Super League, yes, they man, do. Man, oh man. Hey, you're fully invested in that. We're fully invested in today's show lineup. Would BYU's chances to join the powers that be within college football specifically have a better shot in a hypothetical Super League upheaval? BYU football dominating the big board of NFL potentials in the Western United States. Plus, did BYU women's soccer receive a better-than-expected NCAA tourney seed? The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, joins us live to discuss that and a BYU basketball international recruiting flair. Don't forget another Top 5 Tuesday, that new bracketology and details there, and how Kalani Satake got snubbed, Jerem. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The final Pro Football Focus Top 300 Big Board has eight BYU players on it. That's eight more than Utah and more than any team in the West. How about that? The eight are Zach Wilson, Brady Christensen, Dax Milne, Kyrus Tonga, Chandon Herring, Matt Bushman, Tristan Hodge, Chris Wilcox. Chris Wilcox below Tristan Hodge. You have to think his 4.31 in the 40 on Pro Day will certainly shoot him up higher than 285 on the Big 300 Big Board. Well, it would have already by now, right? Uh, it got him on the Big Board. All right. BYU women's soccer dancing into the postseason as the number 12 overall seed. The committee respects BYU again. BYU earns a first-round bye and will face the winner of Virginia or Southern Illinois Edwardsville on Saturday, Ooh. May 1st at 7 Eastern. This marks the Cougars' 21st tournament appearance, eighth in the last nine seasons. BYU has played Virginia one time back in 2001. They've never faced Southern Illinois Edwardsville. Suey, suey, you? Suey, Yeah. Men's volleyball stays ranked second in the ABCA poll, but number one in your hearts going into the MPSF tournament this week. Cougars are 17 and three, 12 of those sweeps. Will host attorney play Friday in the semifinals against the. Lowest seeded team after Thursday's quarterfinals. That's what you get when you're the number one seed. Tickets are sold out, by the way. Uh, max 700 per game. You can watch Steve Allen and I call the matches on Flow Sports. BYU baseball just needs a big collective hug. They've uh, had a rough season thus far. They're looking to bounce back at home against Dixie State tonight. Second matchup with the Trailblazers this season. Dixie State Lillard won in a walk-off fashion against BYU in the first meeting. Mm-hmm. Their first ever victory over BYU. Yep. Game will be broadcast on the BYU TV app and BYU Radio 107.9 at 6 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific from Miller Park. 
The BYU Cougars app if you're outside of the 1079 uh, area. Freshman Violet Zavodnik, or Ultra Violet, yeah. as he tweeted last night, yep. is the West Coast Conference Player of the Week. She went four for seven last week, two homers, four RBIs in three games. Cougars have won 12 in a row, play Utah tomorrow night on the BYU TV app. She is so good. She's, she's very she's nice. She's an incredible player. Yeah, it's fun to watch. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. A Super League with the world powers in European soccer has been created, or is still in the works of being created, and it has generated a trifecta of questions in Studio B. One, Jerem, could we see something like this? A Super League in college football in the NCAA? Does it already exist? And if so, what is BYU's place in it? Yeah, I think it already exists. We have a name for it. Power Five Conferences, right? Even gave them the adjective power. What is the power? It's the money, and it's the access to that money and better bowl games. Can we just call them the money money. five? Can we just take that designation? Money five? The money five. Cash? Cash five? Something? (laughs) The low budget five and the money five. The dollar store five. (laughs) What's BYU? It's an independent. Yeah, the divorced. Yeah, I don't don't know. (laughs) I think it already exists. And uh, what's BYU's place in it? BYU's place in it is an outsider. It really is. BYU's chosen to be outside of this. The outside part gets BYU a bigger TV deal than it would as a budget five uh, or mm-hmm. a group of five, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because BYU has its own deal with ESPN. BYU has uh, you know a deal with Nike. BYU has, like there there are good sources of income in that regard that are better than if BYU was in the Mountain West, for example, or the Big West or whatever. Um, it already exists, but if there was a complete breakaway, now let's let's compare this to what's happening in European soccer. So there are twelve teams that said some of the biggest clubs, some in Spain, Italy, England, right, that have broken away and said, no, we're forming our own Super League. This is not supplanting their domestic national leagues. There's still going to be the Premier League and La Liga and everything, but it's a threat to the the. Uh, you know, to that because there's going to be a ton of money pouring in mm. from this new Super League. In TV th- deals. In theory, right, the rights to all that, they're going to split $3.5 billion a year. Whoa. So what it hurts is the smaller teams, uh, you know, the Bournemouths and the Southamptons and the whatever, that occasionally win and sometimes creep into the top ten, but never actually get into the Champions League. This is essentially a Champions League, uh, you know, uh, supplant that. Okay. So – they. If the Power Five actually broke away and said, no, we don't even compete in the same area mm-hmm. as a group of five, that would be the equivalent. So it's, it's an interesting thing to think about because BYU is on the outside. And this year was the ultimate uh, case study for BYU to see where BYU was. Because guess what? BYU played a schedule that allowed them to win enough to be relevant in the national conversation for the first time in a decade. And it was really fun. I'm not talking in September. I'm talking in October and November. And so what happened? BYU came out in that first poll and was ranked 14th, and it stunk. And we were like, wait, what? Oh, BYU's not respected to the degree we need. And BYU's not going to have, the, unfortunately, the right balance on a schedule of playing like three power fives, you know, winning all of them, and then having in that conversation be a top 10 team and be a New Year's Six possibility. The playoff is ridiculous in the conversation with BYU. I said as much at the beginning of the year. That was validated during the season. But I didn't think that it would be ridiculous to think that BYU could make the New Year's Six. Ugh. I thought that was weird. So, yes, there are superpowers. There are the Power Five right now. And all, while they do technically compete in the same area, there's no shot for a team like BYU or Group of Fives to actually get into that playoff and compete for the national championship. Listen, we shouldn't be surprised that when BYU operates on a budget 
or a budget conference, they find great success, Jerem. <laughs> Instead of trying to keep up or keeping up with the Joneses yeah. in the Power Five conferences. Which we'll see this year when BYU plays seven Power Fives. Like also, we're hoping for eight wins. Side tangent. Isn't Jason Shepard a Southampton fan? No, he's Everton. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He likes Everton. Yeah. Okay. Random. Random. Conversation for another day. <laughs> yes. He should be a Leicester City fan. That's Leicester should, City. Yeah. They're good. All yeah, right. They're really good. All right. Uh, I think that this power situation kind of exists. I, I don't feel like the Power Five is the Super League just yet of what is being created in soccer because it probably needs to be smaller. Like if the Power Five shrunk in half and it was like the top 32 teams of college football – then I feel like it would be more along those numerically, lines. yes, but fi- financially, absolutely. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's kind, yeah. it's, it's. There are definitely shades of this, right? Financially, yeah. I feel like a, a super power five would be like the top 32, maybe the top 25 teams overall, and then they could try and broker a deal to win all of that money with the additional TV rights. I don't think that's going to happen. Their own tournament, yeah. right? Yeah. So it needs to be a little bit smaller. Uh, can you imagine the elite 16? If you just took the top 16 college football programs overall and how much posturing and jockeying would take place to try and get in that top 16. Yes, and so to, com- to continue the comparison, so 12 teams uh, have said they're going to form this league. They said we're going to invite three more teams mm-hmm. and then we're going to make it so every year there are five kind of at-large to that year's tournament. Relegation? So it'll be a 20, well, it's just for this midweek competition. Ah, okay. It's it's a league. See, we have a weird mindset in, in America compared to, say, Europe with soccer, where it's like you have your domestic league, but you also have multiple tournaments. One is Champions League. If you're not good enough, you're in Europa League. There's the domestic tournament among all the teams sure. called the FA Cup. Sure. There's actually that exists in the United States, but it's not popular, where a team like BYU actually competed in that in 06 and 07 when BYU was like a single A minor league uh, soccer team. Don't they call it the U.S. Open Cup or something like that? Yeah, it's the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah. Yep, but no one cares. No one cares. But these (sighs) tournaments exist, and there's been talk of doing this in the NBA, having a mid-season tournament and that kind of thing. But we value the playoffs. In the Premier League, there's no playoffs. They don't exist. They care for the Champions League and the Europa League, and ultimately, like, that's the club level. And then, of course, you're familiar with the Euros and the World Cup and the CONCACAF, whatever, you know. So many tournaments. Yeah. All right, on to topic two, Jerem. Okay, uh, topic two. Does BYU have a better chance to get in with the big boys under the current system or some version of a new-look college football like we're talking about? (laughs) Holy cow. Again, I I don't think college football is ever going to become that exclusive, an Elite 16 or a Top 12, but maybe it shrinks down a little bit. Maybe one of the Power 5 conferences dissolves and there are four super conferences formed. That has long been rumored to have been discussed or be in discussions. One could argue there are four, and then there's the Pac-12. That's true. That's true. Like we we kind of say that you know in halfway jest. tongue in cheek and in jest, but there it's and kind I of that like way. The Pac-12 personally, yes. like I like the teams in there. I mean, I think we've agreed for a long time that if BYU is to have movement and jump into one of these higher money leagues or Power Five leagues. <laughs> high society leaks, whatever you want to call it, their best shot to break in is that there's major upheaval in the current construct of college football. Something is going to have to shift dramatically with TV deals, conferences poaching from other Power 5 conferences. They've written then, in too much legalese to have that part, I think. And, and then dominoes start to shift. Maybe they have. Maybe it's like just it's too a shot in the dark. It's just yeah. too much of a dream. It doesn't seem realistic, but that's I think that's what it would take for BYU to get an invite is – 
major upheaval. I mean, we're talking about Texas and Oklahoma get poached off by the SEC. And then the Big 12's like, oh, no, what do we do? we got to add a bunch of teams some or teams else the, we're going to dissolve. Some teams in the Big 12 would be happy about it. Yeah, uh, probably most, if we're being like, completely we're honest. We're tired of Texas dominating yes. this, but they're not actually the best team in the league. We're I, just bringing the most money. I think it would take something like that. And I was trying to think of, like, in the business world, and this idea popped in my mind. Remember Blockbuster Video? How they just had like the market. I remember Rose Video. They had the market corner. Well, video stores in general, where you would go and you would rent videos. Rent DVDs, oh, rent yeah. video games. Oh, yeah. Blockbuster Why are you leaving had, out Hollywood? Blockbuster had over 6,000 stores yeah. nationwide. Still have one. In 2005. And then there was this idea of, well, maybe we can just stream things. And well, it was discs yeah. to your house initially, so you didn't even have to. That was the jumping. Netflix. That was that the was jumping the point, and yeah, then yeah. Netflix goes, "Oh, we'll go full digital," and then Blockbuster went goodbye. Like it's going to take something like that and Hollywood and Hollywood Video and Rose for, Video for BYU to get invited into this power. It's going to have to be a totally different scenario, totally different scene, upheaval. Digital streaming. BYU is the Disney Plus of digital streaming. Okay. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it's more like the <laughs> Paramount Plus. F- Fubo or whatever. Uh, Fubo that's like, TV. Yeah, where it's like, it's there. I think it's pretty good. Sometimes, But they're, but they're invited. But they're invited well, to that. We hope. We hope. I Here's what I'm afraid of. Obviously, BYU Sports is a big enough brand and good enough on the field to merit inclusion in some sort of power structure. Uh, this this is super obvious. BYU's timing has not been good. Like, if BYU had been invited like some of the other crappy Power Fives back in the day, this wouldn't be an issue. But now that we're in the modern era, there are off-the-field, off-the-court issues associated with BYU being connected to a church, and there are certain policies and values of said church that are an issue oh, are you with Power 5 conferences. Politics and social issues are a deal? in 2016 didn't like certain things associated with that. The Pac-12 will never like those things. So I don't, I don't see how in the current system BYU will ever be invited to a Power 5. It is a nice idea. I would absolutely love it. Although we do like being a big fish in a little pond uh, in the WCC in some sports. Obviously, Gonzaga's the king in men's hoops, but... Don't you like watching uh, all the Olympic sports play really well and dominate? I think BYU would be good in the other leagues, but ultimately with football, BYU would never be a big fish in that pond. But the possibility of doing something crazy and awesome exists as an independent. So I almost wonder if we actually want that. Like, I do because it means BYU is now at the party, now is getting the money to recruit, maintain good facilities at an even higher level than BYU already does, Get better athletes. Like, I want to compete at the highest level. That's what BYU wants. But ultimately, does BYU really want that? Because I think BYU is pretty comfortable in what's going on. Hey, had fun. Women's soccer, 12 seed. Women's volleyball, 16 seed. Men's, uh, you know, women's cross country, national champs. Like, this is fun. And this is a product of where BYU is in the West Coast Conference, I think. Couldn't BYU, hypothetically speaking, still do those things in Olympic sports? Yes. Even if they weren't the... Yes, you just win, yeah, you just wouldn't win the conference championship. Like in foot, in in men's hoops, are you ready to have a losing record every third year? In in uh, football, are you ready to try and make a bowl game every year yeah. as the standard? That that would it would be different because it'd be harder. It's as an upper class middle society type athletic department that uh, is seen as an overachiever. 
There are a lot of good things to that. Do you want to move to the big city and tangle with the big boys on a regular basis? Or do you want to or stay do you want a bigger yard? in the suburban area you want and a have bigger a bigger yard? yard? Yeah. 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 Our question of the day, does BYU have a better chance to be included as a Power 5 team under the current system or in some other version of a college football super league? Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. This from Brian Buss on Twitter. The current system is not conducive for BYU's inclusion in the Power Five. Politics, religion, and a host of other excuses prevent that. Afraid the best hope is to blow the whole thing up, but I am not convinced that would even work. BYU really is an island into itself. Not group of five, not quite power five. Not budget five, not... Money five. Yeah, in in somewhere in the middle of the by the way, uh, a couple of hours ago, Nike football tweeted a video of Zach Wilson saying, Welcome to the family. So there you go. Nike Nike athlete. Staying with Nike. Yeah. I it's really interesting to see what could happen with BYU. Uh BYU needs to continue to do what it's doing, but win at a higher level to really hopefully get invited to something like that. Like it's all good right now, but BYU's an independent yep, for the time base. Hey, yeah. I'll stream Fubo TV all day long, baby, if it means inclusion. <laughs> Coming up, good and bad news for BYU Hoops. And Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars on this Super League scenario and how BYU football would maybe benefit from something like that. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Mitch McIntyre and the BYU baseball team look to avenge a March 16th loss to Dixie by hosting the Trailblazers again tonight, 6 Eastern, on the BYU TV app, BYU Radio 107.9 FM, and the BYU Cougars app as well. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Greg, nice to have you back on the program. Happy Tuesday. How are you? Good to be back with you. Happy Tuesday to you guys. Let's go. Can All we right. can we talk about Professor Rubel right now? So yeah, you actually yeah. teach a class and have given uh, finals or a project. Is your class hard? Uh, well, whether it's hard or not, I guess depends on the student you talk to. But uh, we had great students this semester, and they all got really good grades. Uh, the semester has ended. I still have to post grades at uh, at some point, but uh, the hard work is done. Yeah. I feel like we should wish you congratulations like, on surviving the semester of this COVID year. Incredible stuff. You like wear a bow tie when you teach or anything like that? Yeah, horn rimmed glasses. Uh, <laughs> the students, they, they place an apple on the desk every yep. week. It's, uh, yeah, that's how we roll. That's good. All right, Professor. Uh, we've been discussing this Super League movement in the world powers of soccer and how a 12 team conference is. Being formed, they're going to invite three others, and then there will be some other teams to get invited to a tournament. Is the college football edition of that, if we were to push that to NCAA football, a good idea for something like that? Would, would that benefit the game, and if, would it include a team like BYU if there was some upheaval like that? Yeah, I, I think it might benefit BYU, uh, which would be the only reason I'd like to see it happen. Uh, and really, you're not talking so much about like a Super League breakaway as more of a geographical football league of college institutions, um, you know, a much larger number of teams than the smaller group we're talking about in Europe. And I think, you know, that that might be a little more 
um, you know, acceptable or, or justifiable or reasonable than I think what's happening in Europe right now. Because, you know, ultimately what we want in sports is we want the meritocracy, right? We want, we want results on the field to equate to success in other places or, or, or results in the arena, the venue to, to, to equate to success. And when you're just automatically granting, um, you know, and, and you could argue that's what the P5 is, is an automatic granting of inclusion. But, you know, there, there's still competition between P5s and non-P5s. There's still an entry point for non-P5s to get the big bucks. There are some qualifiers there. So it's not quite as extreme as what they're talking about in Europe. But, but let me uh, quote uh, Pep Guardiola and when he talks about why he doesn't like the Super League idea. He says, sport is not a sport when the relationship between effort and reward does not exist. It is not a sport if success is guaranteed or if it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. And, and I think as in America, we, we, we grasp onto that a little more tightly than what I think is being proposed right now in Europe. And we, we, we just kind of want that, that idea of meritocracy to still exist to an extent in our culture. Yeah, Pep Guardiola, the Manchester City uh, manager there, nice. So when we talk about BYU in this world and liken it to ourselves, we were discussing, Greg, is it more likely for BYU to get in with the big boys, Power 5, or if there was something new, if it went that direction, under the yeah. current construct, or would it have to be blown up for BYU to have a better chance? Yeah, I, I think the latter. Uh, I think it would kind of require a redrawing. And you kind of outlined some of the areas, Jerem, already that have proven problematic for BYU in past P5 flirt, uh, flirtations. I think you would almost need a separate entity, uh, a withdrawal to an extent from the NCAA. And, and it basically, it's a, it's a football league of, of collegiate institutions. And it feels more geographical. It feels more NFL-ish. And it feels more sport-centric. It's a sport decision, not an institutional, philosophical, crossing all sports uh, decision. It's a football call. If you're making a football call in America today, you call BYU. You just do. Yep. Um, if you're having to, if you're having to address the myriad other issues that come with, you know, uh, P5 inclusion from presidents and board of regents to philosophies and virtues and values, it's a much muddier situation. If you're talking about who's going to fill seats and attract eyeballs in a football conference, a grand, larger football conference, you know, in this nation, you, you, I think you look to, team, to teams like BYU. Heck yeah. And uh, when, when you think about who would be at the uh, forefront of the power of this, I don't even think it's the NCAA, and I agree with you. I think it's ESPN. But would ESPN, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, stiff arm the NCAA in that regard? Because they do have a relationship in not just football, but a lot of sports, obviously. To where it feels like if this happened, that ESPN would be at the forefront of it and want the the rights to this. So I wonder. And again, we're just postulating based on what's going on in Europe, but we're also postulating on how BYU can get involved yes. with the big boys. So how, how would yeah how would that even happen? As we just think out loud. Well, yeah, and it's not totally pie in the sky. I, I think a lot of people have, have have been public about the fact that there might be one more seismic shift still to come in college football beyond the past, you know, conference affiliation changes we had, there is the thought that, and what's happening with the NCAA lately, um, you know, it's pushing, feels like it's pushing more that direction that it could require a separation, um, you know, for, for, uh, for the football playing powers to kind of get what they want in this thing. And so I don't think it's crazy talk to think about some kind of redrawing and some kind of true organizational schism 
that that you know allows the NCAA to still maintain control where it feels it needs it, and yet allow some leeway and some freedom to these football playing you know bodies to 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 you know to make an organization. I mean, the NCAA is primarily when it comes to funding, the, it's a basketball situation, right? You know, the, the the basketball tournaments fund pretty much everything else under the umbrella, and, and football's already been kind of separate, you know, with yeah. the. With, with, with the football, you know, you know, bowl association already kind of running the postseason, we're you know we're halfway there already. You know, it wouldn't be too much of a break. It would be a break. There's no doubt, but there were, you can already kind of see the hints at, at organizationally how this might work. Fun to speculate for sure, and uh, interesting conversation. Greg Rubel with us on BYU Sports Nation. Now for something that we feel like we have a more uh, well better grasp on, and that is BYU football and their place putting uh, hopefully four, five, six players into the NFL in 2021. When you look at Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen, Greg, those guys are for sure. Maybe Kyrus Tong after that, but then there's a lot of uh, juggling in the air for teams fifth, sixth, seventh round. How many BYU football players do you expect to be taken in the 2021 NFL draft? Well, I, I guess I'd say I expect three and hope for more, right? Um, because I think those big three are our kind of givens right now. Uh, with uh, with Zach and Brady and Kyrus, and after that, you know, because you know, once you get into sixth, seventh round projections, um, you know, you could as easily be a free agent as you could be a late sixth rounder. You know, depending on 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 who's really interested in you. Uh, maybe four is a more realistic uh, possibility. Thinking that one of those, you know, three other guys are a sixth or seventh round call for sure, then you might say, well, then you're good for four. But I think, I think three are you know, locks, if you want to call them locks, and then everything else you kind of cross fingers on. You know, BYU's had such a good, um, you know, tradition, and you could maybe say that teams have come to expect BYU to place good free agents in the league, that they sometimes feel that, well, if we don't get them here, we'll get them with a phone call when the draft ends. Um, and then it becomes a game of chicken to see if, you know, the guy that you think you're going to get with the phone call is on enough radars in the sixth or seventh round, and how badly do you really want that guy uh, at that stage? To men's hoops, Atiki Ali Atiki is signed and official with BYU. Uh, he provides a little bit of uh, depth in, in the uh, front court there for BYU. Still waiting to hear about Alex Barcelo and Matt Harms and, and uh, potentially three open other scholarships. So it sounds like there's a lot of work to do. Um, Joe Lenardi comes out and says second team out in the tourney, which is fun <laughs> because we don't even know what roster BYU is going to have. But uh, what do you yeah. think of what's ahead of BYU in the offseason here in hoops? Well, I'm excited to see what Coach Pope and, and the staff have uh, in, in the pipeline. It seems like uh, you know they're they're they, they they construct things differently than 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 it used to be here at BYU. Um, there, there's a lot of you know short notice, uh, flurry of activity type decisions, but we've seen how that can still result in a really solid and cohesive roster group. You know, within a few months, and even after a COVID year in which you didn't have a typical offseason to truly refine and reform those relationships, BYU showed how it could, you know, kind of reform the team from one year to the next and end up in a similar spot. And so we've already kind of seen, you know, the MO and how it works and and the results you get from it. So um, even if it gets late and you don't quite know who's there yet, I think there's every reason to trust that uh, Coach Pope and his staff are going to come up with a good group that can, uh, you know, contend for that NCAA tournament spot. Whether or not you can contend, for a WCC championship, uh, you know, depends on if, uh, you know, Gonzaga stops looking like Kentucky here uh, all of a sudden <laughs> and getting everybody they want. And that's really been the big shift here, right? 
the, the one constant you had with Gonzaga was the coaching. The coaching was always there. You know they were going to get coached up really well and that the coaches would scour for some of the best unknown players out there, whether that's under-the-radar stateside guys or foreign guys or the transfer market. But Gonzaga's made the shift from the under-radar, transfer-heavy, or foreign inclusion to now getting the guys they want out of high school. Yeah. The five five stars and the blue chippers. That's the big shift, right? Gonzaga's now like any other national powerhouse in attracting the players they want. They can go get kind of whoever they want right now. And that's the big change. And BYU's in a league with that team. And, and they don't so much care about the players they're getting. So they don't care about gym sizes and, 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 and Ken Palm ranks in the bottom half of the league because they know that in non-conference, they're going to crisscross the country, play every big name and every big stage. And then they're going to play a few challenging games in league. And it's going to result in something close to a one seed <laughs> and a one-and-done and one NBA situation if you're that good. You can get everything you want in Spokane, Washington right now, and that's the pitch that Gonzaga has been able to, you know, to throw out there. Greg Rubel with us on BYU Sports Nation. You're rocking that baseball gear. you got the Sailor Cook baseball jersey hanging behind you. The Batcats, I joked earlier, they, they need a hug, but that might be serious. They're coming off a really rough weekend. It's been, uh, for the most part, a down season. So is there still hope for BYU baseball this season, Greg? If so, where can we find it? Where can the fans find hope that there is still something better out there? Well, we just mentioned Spokane. You can find it in Spokane this weekend. BYU plays Gonzaga in a three-game set. Now, the Cougs are only two games back of the league-leading Zags in the loss column. Now, they're five back in the win column because the Zags have played three more games. But BYU gets a chance to you know, get back into the race, if you will, and it has to happen this weekend. The league-leading Zags, they get three games in Spokane. And again, you could you could jump, make a pretty big jump in the loss column with a successful weekend. And the week last week started okay, right? That 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 win over Utah was encouraging. Disappointing what happened in Omaha. You know, it's one run games again. It's just it's moments. It's these handful of moments in games that are letting BYU down. And and yet we've seen you know on various occasions um, the ability for this team to string good at bats and strong innings and good support together. But uh, you know you're not seeing maybe enough support. Uh, and enough clean play for a lot of strong performances on the mound, and just it's just, it's a few clutch at bats that have just been going way uh, you know uh, by the wayside right now. But to me, again, if you're going to go back to the original question, this weekend is the weekend when things could really flip around. Big chance in Spokane. You almost need to sweep it right uh, to get back where you want to be. But there's that chance. Yeah, that's coming up tonight uh, from Miller Park BYU baseball. So uh, women's soccer. Oh, by the way, yeah, sorry. We, yeah, Dixie State first. So today's game is Dixie State. Yep. At, uh, at 4 p.m. Yep. Yeah, it's on the weekend. Just promoting TV and radio, baby. Uh, and then yep. you have women's soccer, 12 seed. That felt like a good number. Typically in the NCAA tournament, we, we're kind of jaded on what happens with BYU teams, but uh, that felt like a good number. That felt like a fair seed. Yeah, it, it felt like a, 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 a respectful approach from the committee for what BYU was able to do here in the spring season. Now, you know, presuming Virginia is going to get past uh, SIU Edwardsville. You know, Virginia is that uh, is that that tournament pedigree team that was a little bit out of sight, out of mind this spring. They did all the they they, they did the bulk of their playing in the fall, uh, but they ended up with ten wins when you combine fall and spring. They only played four games in the spring, and they only played two games over like the last six or seven weeks because of a bunch of cancellations. And so, people are not maybe not quite sure what to make of Virginia, but that's a, a perennial you know national power. Uh, this will be their thirty third NCAA tournament appearance. They were third in the ACC. 
that's a that's a tough second round draw for BYU. <laughs> it you know feels a little bit like you know BYU basketball. They got UCLA right in the second round. Tournament pedigree team, a team that had already played a game. Virginia will have already played a game. So there's some similarities there um, in, in terms of what you get in the second round. It's quite a reward for the season BYU's had to draw someone like UVA. But uh, you know this is a legit BYU team in every way and worthy of a seed and in a good spot earning that first round by. I just can't believe you've disrespected SIUE like that, Greg. <laughs> I, I thought we'd have a matchup of the Cougars, but uh, you've written them off at this point. No, nah, it, it, it's not quite the write-off, but, uh, but we have to call, we have to say Virginia's favored to advance. Yes, it's true. But totally fair. Southern Illinois, yeah. <laughs> University of Edwardsville, ne- never count them out, right? We've always said that. Hey, Greg, thanks for the time. Great to catch up with you. And uh, you can listen to Greg tonight on BYU Radio, the Cougars, uh, BYU Cougars Zap at 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain Time. We'll talk again soon, my friend. And they can watch you on the BYU TV app, right? That is correct. And in theory, you can okay. do both. You can, do, you can have a million you can, devices on. You can, you can switch us back want, and right? forth. Yeah, absolutely. No worries. Yeah, I'll, see it, I'll see it at the ballpark later on. Thanks, guys. Sounds good. Greg Rubel on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I respect SIUE. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Cougars. The Cougars. Let's go Cougs. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's going to be Virginia. Mm -hmm. Coming up, BYU Hoops Bubble Watch has already begun for 2022. More on that. And where does BYU football head coach Kalani Satake rank on a list of most lovable coaches? This is BYU Sports Nation. Oh, the disrespect. Visible supply chain management. West Coast Conference Player of the Week, Violet Zavodnik, the freshman, and BYU softball host rival Utah. Tomorrow night, 8 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Cougars won 12 in a row. Big game. Utes won the first contest this season, one to nothing. He is Jeremiah Spencer, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it! The Cougar Whip Around, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Tonight at 9 Eastern on ESPN2, a.k.a. The Deuce, Kirk Herbstreit spends half an hour with Zach Wilson in his QB21 series. What do you expect? I expect Zach to wow Kirk Herbstreit, especially with his understanding of the nuances within the X's and O's. Zach is so impressive when you just talk football with him at that deeper level. Even if you don't understand half of what he's talking about, it's all very impressive. Kirk Herbstreit, I'm sure, was blown away by Zach Wilson's knowledge of the game. Yeah, that's that's Zach's greatest asset is his mind in this and the time he puts in and his understanding of film. So, that yeah, and, and hopefully get to know him a little bit because not everyone's heard from Zach. He is surgical as a mental tactician within the game. I love it. All right, Zach's former head coach, Kalani Satake, ranks number 21 among head coaches that players love to play for, this according to at ATL underscore Boomer 1990 and a list of rankings. Jerem, did you have Kalani Satake higher or lower than 21st? I had him 13th ahead of Sam Pittman in Arkansas. <laughs> I really did. Um, just, you know, an atrocity here. And No, no, he's a super likable dude. If anybody that gets to know Kalani likes him, there's not a soul that doesn't like Kalani Satake. Yeah, I had him at number 11. Even the Utah fans. I've got him at number 11, Jerem, uh, ahead of... Jamie Chadwell, because he coaches because Coastal, Coastal Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, just because Coastal, because Carolina. Coastal Carolina. And 11 is also my favorite number, so 11. Nice. Okay. But behind Pat Fitzgerald. Yes. Okay. Good news. Uh, Gonzaga's Jalen Suggs predictably declares for the NBA draft. Woo! So he's gone. So BYU's now going to win the league. Bad news. Uh, Chet Holmgren, a.k.a. McLovin, 
the nation's top recruit signed with Gonzaga yesterday. What's the bigger story for BYU fans? Uh, the bigger story is that Jalen Suggs' former high school teammate, who was also the number one ranked recruit in all of high school basketball out of Minnesota, is also going to Gonzaga. It just never ends. I'm and calling it never, him McLovin. It never will end. It seems that way. Gonzaga is going to be good for it. They are a college no, basketball superpower. It's going to end. When Mark Few leaves? When Mark Few is gone. But Mark Few is not going to be gone for a while. Tommy Lloyd, associate head coach, is gone at Arizona. I don't know that that will have much impact, but we'll see. Jeremy, the following is not a joke. A man named Logan Ogden yep. follows Craig Smith from Utah State to the University of Utah as their basketball strength and conditioning coach. We've talked about Logan Ogden on the program before. <laughs> is it a is, mistake? Which is a repeat. You, don't, you just need to say one or the other, right? Yes. Is it a mistake <laughs> for someone named Logan Ogden to leave Utah State? It is a massive mistake. <laughs> he is definitely making more money now, but it is a huge mistake because that's where you belong, Logan Ogden, is in Logan or Ogden, a.k.a. where Utah State is. My name is Logan Ogden, and I live in Salt Lake City. Excuse me, what? You live in where? I live in Bountiful. What? Coming up, the top five transfers <laughs> in BYU history. And BYU football, best in the West, according to the Pro Football Focus Big Board. Is that a big deal? And where was Utah on that list? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sin right now, join Kiki in welcoming Atiki Ali Atiki as opposed to Akiki to BYU, the school with the best mascot and the best memes. Check it out on the BYUSN social media platforms. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We're hanging out live in Studio B, and it's time to play Big Deal, No Deal, presented by Bodyguards. <clears throat> Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. An emotional thing, I understand. I know. I would like to start, Jerem. Big Deal or No Deal, BYU has eight separate players on the Pro Football Focus final top 300 big board, the most of any West Coast team. I can't see the coast from here, so I'm not sure. In the West? What? Question mark? Uh, that's a big deal. It's a big deal because it uh, doesn't mean all those guys are going to be drafted. No. But this is a standout year for BYU football. It's been incredible what BYU did on the field. And then crazy when you have good players, you win. Nuts. Huh, huh. It's just insane, that idea. you know. So three in the top 105 is pretty awesome. BYU had two in the top 80 last year, by the way. Um, Austin Lee and Brady Christensen. Was it three with James Empey, perhaps? I'm trying to remember. It was two or three. But uh, th- this is notable. And hopefully these guys get drafted. Free agent contracts will definitely be in order for, you know, seven to ten of these guys, it feels like. This is a big deal. It's weird to see that Utah had zero. Utah typically has, like, three to six draft picks. Well, and, and is that and, because Utah's they, top two prospects opted to yeah. pull out and, yeah. and they're like, hey, we're pulling out of the draft. We're going back to school. And BYU's guys went early because they're trying to strike while the iron's hot. So I get that. But it is weird to see Utah with zero there. It's a big deal because I can't remember the last time BYU had anything close to eight players on any type of big board. And this, and this is the – well, this is a big board. Like 10 years ago, I don't remember anyone doing this big of a board. <laughs> you know what this, I mean? Yeah, it's large. 300, it's large 300 players – but it makes me feel like BYU has a better chance to get at least four players drafted. Yeah, I don't think four would be crazy. Yeah, 
All right. I don't think BYU is getting eight drafted. Eight's not going to happen. That'd be insane. It, it, like it'll be three to four, maybe five. Of course, it's a big deal yeah. to have great talent, and when you play a budget-friendly schedule with great talent, Cream's great responsibility. <laughs> you win a lot of games and you get a lot of comes. national notoriety. Yes, when you win, you get noticed. That's how it works. Crazy, right? Okay, big deal, no deal. In the first projection of the 2022 NCAA brackets, Joe Lenardi has BYU as the second team out. Oh, this is the hugest no deal ever. Yeah, no deal. It just, come on. Like, it's nice to be discussed. But again, we're not even sure who's going to be on the roster. There are, it feels like, four or five spots totally up in the air right now. And this is, with no knowledge, I'm just saying this, is BYU keeping the staff? Like, you never know if an assistant will be poached or... You know, Mark Pope, there was some interest from Arizona there, so he wasn't hired there. Tommy Lloyd was of Gonzaga, but yeah, there's still, I mean, it's April, bro. Like, the national championship game was a few weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. It's still fresh. So when BYU is projected as the second team out in <laughs> October or November, then we're starting to inch toward and it even being more then, of a big deal. More of a big deal. Even then, the season hadn't even started until late November. Correct. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah, it, it, it takes the Hugest no deal ever. It's fun, but it's no deal. The hugest no deal. <laughs> the big, it's the biggest no deal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I love that. St. Mary's, by the way, was the fourth team in. Okay, that's a big deal because St. Mary's. And they were terrible last year. So they, what are they doing? Again, Joey I'll, re- brackets. I'll repeat it. This is never disrespected, this particular player. Well, yeah, I guess it is. I. I do like his game, but if Tommy Kuzi's your best player, you're not an NCAA tournament team. You're just not. Um, they but, were riddled with injuries. They don't, don't make excuses for St. Mary's. They just stunk. Let's revel in it. It was awesome. <laughs> it was great that they weren't that good. They were good enough to be <laughs> important to BYU's resume, however. That's what made it even better. They had no yeah. shot of getting into the tournament, but they were good enough yes, to help that's BYU's what we resume. Need. We need the roadie to be at uh, quad one. That's all we need. The rest of it, they can, yeah. they can be garbage, and that would be fine. <laughs> no, I actually want St. Mary's to be good, but I want BYU to just be better. As opposed to Utah, where I, I'm fine if Utah loses every single game and doesn't help BYU's resume in any way, shape, or form, because it's only men's hoops where that's the case. But Utah's not that team. They're a good team. In basketball, they're going to be better. Like, oh. Basketball with Craig Smith, now I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah. This is going yeah, is, is to be a really tough game. The home run now. higher for Utah. Yeah, good, yeah, good for them. Granted, like, Craig Smith never beat BYU when he was I mean, in Utah State. So. Yeah, I mean bad for them. I don't actually intend on hoping they do well. Um, Max Hall and I hang out in that regard a little more. But I don't hate Utah. I just, it's a rivalry. I don't enjoy their success. In any way, shape, or form. Like, if, if Utah, Utah State is not as much of a threat in that regard, where I'm like, oh, if they're good, that's, that's fine. That's cool. I almost went to Utah State. I didn't think I'd get in here. There's only one time in your life I think you have somewhat enjoyed Utah's success, and that was their almost run to a national championship. But I was a kid. In 1998. I was a kid that didn't know better. Yeah. Now I'm an. Uh, now you know better? Now I'm a, a grown <laughs> adult that knows better. Okay. Okay. All right. Coming up. Fair enough. Coming up, today's rise shout out to a fab frosh. Plus, the top five impactful transfers take our top five Tuesday spotlight. That's next on BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. 
guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or you can download the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. It is time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. And following the newly passed NCAA one-time-without-penalty transfer rule, we're looking back at the top five transfers in BYU athletics history. Okay, number five, Chase Fisher, men's hoops, 2013-16. Transfer from Wake Forest for his junior and senior seasons, averaged almost 16 a game. That's 15th best all-time. Had 18 a game as a senior. Holds the BYU record for most threes in a game. Nick Emery uh, was able to match that with 10. Uh, although the NCAA says that doesn't count. Whatever, we watch it. Uh, BYU record for three-point makes per game. Three a game. How about that? All WCC first team as a senior. Helped lead BYU to the first four, where he made six threes against Ole Miss. The best thing to ever come out of West Virginia, Chase Fisher. Number four. Really? Alex Barcelo. Transfer from the University of Arizona for his junior and senior and super senior seasons. Question mark. He averaged 12.4 points over his last two seasons, 16.1 last season as the alpha male on that BYU offense. Best three-point field goal percentage in school history right now at 48.2%. Set a BYU single-game record going 7-for-7. No misses in a game this season against San Francisco. Not surprisingly, first-team All-WCC and really feels like he was a part of two NCAA tournament teams, even though it's only technically one. Oh, yeah. A starter on two, uh, you know, one-and-a-half NCAA tournaments. Number three, Jason Buck, 85-86 and 86 in football, set the single-season sack record at Ricks with 25 before transferring. Two seasons of BYU had 112 tackles, 25 sacks, and 20 tackles for loss. Whew. He actually should have more tackles for loss because the sack is a tackle for loss. He was the WAC Defensive Player of the Year as a junior, All-American and Outland Trophy winner as a senior. Outland Trophy winner. Amazing. 17th overall pick in the 87 draft. The Bengals ended up winning a Super Bowl with the Washington football team. He was a monster and basically grew up uh, with, like, nothing. Uh, like, barely a home growing up. So an incredible story. Some of the best celebrations after sacks ever. <laughs> yes. Number two, the Sarknado, Steve Sarkeesian. Transfer to BYU from El Camino Junior College. Threw for almost 7,500 yards, 53 touchdowns, and two BYU seasons. As a senior, named the Sammy Baugh Trophy winner, WAC Player of the Year, led the country in pass efficiency. Of course, BYU finished number five after a Cotton Bowl victory over Kansas State. He's now one of the premier head coaches at Texas currently and coordinators in the entire game of football. Steve Sarkeesian. I thought he won the Sammy Leinbaugh Trophy. I was confused there Stop for a second. It. And the top transfer in BYU history, Max Hall, quarterback, 20, uh, 2006-09, to the winningest quarterback in BYU history, was at Arizona State for a spell, threw for 11,000 uh, yards, 94 touchdowns, second in career pass yards, winningest quarterback of all time, 32-7 and seven at Brigham Young, which is pretty notable. All Mountain West Conference in his three seasons and signed as an undrafted free agent for the Cardinals where he started three games. Max Hall was... Jim McMahon reincarnated. Mm. Like, it was fun to watch Max. Is, is he the winningest player at BYU ever, or does that belong to his brother-in-law, whom well, I know you love so mi- much? Minimum, yeah, nice. Minimum <laughs> how many games is the question. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you did, like, minimum 25 games or something, so you had, like, two-ish seasons. Okay. Then he's up. He's got to be up there. I, I would throw, I, I would think that Jim McMahon is probably close to that. Or some transfer that just played in like 1881 or 83 and 84. 
Is there a dude who just played 83 and 84 where he lost one time? <laughs> Hard to know. Like, Blaine Fowler's up there. Okay. 81 to 85. Because 81, they just lose a couple. 82, they lose five. 83, they lose one. 25 games in a row and Blaine Fowler 84, they lose zero. And 85, they lose three. I mean, that was pretty incredible. Our question of the day as we follow up Top 5 Tuesday, does BYU have a better chance to be included as a Power 5 team under the current system of college football or in some other version of maybe a college football super league? Laser Sheep answers on Twitter. I think there's a better chance after heavy change or expansion. BYU's peaking at the right time, which we know carries significant weight. We hope so. I am hopeful for such expansion, but only if BYU benefits. Well, we won't know, right, unless it happens. And that's sort of the scary thing. I think we're all convinced that under the current construct, like, it's not really going to happen. Although we were hoping a few years ago, obviously with the Big 12 in 2016, but we were kind of looking to 23, 24, 25, like, oh, yeah, that one other seismic shift potentially. There's no guarantee that anyone moves, by the way. That's not a guarantee. I just want Oklahoma and Texas to get poached by somebody, whether it's the SEC or the Pac-12, and then it just becomes <laughs> chaos. Texas, yeah, Texas will not. Their, their network is an issue. Our lead voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, Ben Peterson on Twitter. Quote, if it was going to work under the current system, it would have happened by now. I think a new yeah. system would be the best bet. Yeah. Well, the, the unknown has more possibility than the known. That's the case. Today's Rise Shoutouts presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. The fact that BYU has eight on the big board for PFF, the top 300, in the NFL draft prospects, that's pretty awesome. Uh, and another Rise Shoutout to Violet Zavodnik at BYU Softball. Amazing. If you didn't know, she played high school baseball against, you know, top-tier Boys in California. She was batting 316. This is man. Against high school baseball players. She is such a good player. Our thanks to today's guest, Greg Rubel. Sorry to Max Hall's brother-in-law. <laughs> Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Jamal Eights. We'll see you tonight at 6 Eastern on the BYU TV app for BYU Baseball. Go Cougs.